Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Each month, over 80,000 people download podcasts produced from the fevered mind of Royfield Brown. They cover a gamut of topics, like maps, politics, American presidents, history, the archers, Formula One, Jamaican culture, and Englishness. Go to wherever you get your podcast and type in Royfield Brown to discover a new favorite podcast today. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. This week's Dumpty Dum is from Marie Bray. And Dumpty Dum this week is sponsored by Charlotte Moa, who became a new Patreon last week. This is Dumpty Dum, the show about the reality docudrama drama that is centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the Lizzie Quizzy, who is Royville Brown. And today I'm joined by the member of the Pregnancy Advisory Service, <laughs> who is Jacqueline Berto in Sanguin, France. On this episode, we'll hear from Witherspoon, formerly Cycling Christine, Sarah Spilsbury, Richard Lucas and Glyn Fullerlove. We also had a very silent message from Mildly Cranky, so I'm sorry about that, that didn't work. 
call in again next week and uh, and hopefully you'll get on now as well as all those wonderful calls we're going to have a tweet of the week from our purple pumpkin and we have the social media roundup from our sandra now just before we, we get on with stuff i'm going to just point you in the direction of youtube i did an interview with graham harvey the ex-agricultural editor of the archers he was in that position as one of the ambridge gods for some 34 years and it's up there on the youtube's did put it out also as a podcast but please go onto youtube watch it like it write a little comment because that will help more of our content on youtube get a little bit more of an airing so please do that and don't forget to also write us a review and also what we have done and you people have responded is to put in the show notes which that's the verbiage underneath the title be how you can write a review on apple podcast and as far as i know you don't need an apple device actually to sign up to write a review so thank you to those people who've written us a review and we will be reading those out later so we have a facebook roundup we're going to welcome our new members out of our facebook group it's going to be a full fun packed episode of the dum-de-dums that's great and that graham harvey interview is the top well done royfield oh, but first you. let's look at the week in umbrage from our sue the queen or tart Well, hello, lovely people. It's Sue, Queen of Tart on the Twitters, and another week in Ambridge. And this was a special week in which there was some downright hypocrisy, which in my world would be one of the deadly sins. We heard Emma for the first time on Sunday. That was nice. Barry is not a happy camper. She was feeling dismissed by Jolene and unattractive. Perhaps Eddie could woo her a little and make her feel loved up. I am not optimistic that Eddie is even capable of this. Still, he went all out with chocolates and wine and a film. If I was Clary, I would be immediately suspicious of whatever he's been up to. Surprisingly, she seems less suspicious than I am. But their sheep interrupted their date by getting stuck in the hedge, baaing away. Eddie and Clary, love, had to sort it. I suppose it's their definition of romantic. Oh, lordy, the PCC are in favour of the new window, despite lobbying by Emma. Apparently, Neil likes the idea, as do the rest of them. We can only hope that the church bureaucracy will hold slow the whole thing down. Although now they have smashed one. All that pigeon stuff. Hmm. It's going to need to be replaced with something. Lily mugged an art dealer for a grand and gets rid of Predosia and good riddance to it. She tortured up a storm and was allowed by Lizzie to keep all the money. I'm willing to volunteer to get painted in order to get a chunk of money like this, but not if it involved the slimy Russ. Their air Loxley bunch all went off to the pub quiz together and came second as the quizzy Lizzie's. Not much of a pun, and Freddie really is a clot. Chelsea showed her ignorance of pregnancy information, including how dates are calculated. Her appointment with the midwife was educational, but she still had to go to a different appointment to decide how to proceed. And we still don't know what she's going to do. She's got some leaflets to read. Natasha behaved appallingly. The rules are, if you meet someone at hospital, you don't even acknowledge being in the hospital unless they tell you what's going on. Very badly done to gossip about it. Although it did give us the opportunity to enjoy Susan's indignation about other people gossiping. Susan was so supportive of Tracy, whilst making her feelings extremely clear. Kenton thinks that Tracy's up the duff. It's Chinese whispers striking again in Ambridge. I can't wait for someone to tell Jazza. And then there were the hot tub time machine episodes. The thought of Mick and his speedos was shudderworthy. I am trying hard not to think about them. I do hope they were following all the instructions for cleaning the water. Well, till next week, we'll see what it brings. Thank you for that, our Sue, our Queen or Tart. And when she sent through her piece, there's a little note saying, I like it when you disagree with me. Remember last <laughs> week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, mm. I don't know about last week in Ambridge. I, I would call it bitty myself. Bitty, but fucky as well. My hunt is shouting. And what are you, sorry? <laughs> For so many times I wanted to, I shouted at the radio. I shouted at trees while I was walking. I was, but it was really a... Oh, it was one of those weeks when you wanted to slap someone, shout at <laughs> shout at people. <laughs> nah, it was, well, a, it was a fuck it, off week. 
I beg your pardon. Now, Damn here's sorry. the thing. Right. I, here's the thing. Say that. Are you Miriam Margolis? Yeah. <laughs> and that, wouldn't that be wonderful? I dream of being like Miriam Margolis. <laughs> if you choose to listen to The Archers, but it makes you want to shout at trees and hit people, should you be listening to The Archers? Yeah, it's cathartic. Otherwise, there'd be people in your real life, wouldn't it? <laughs> what do you do when you have that feeling, when you have that utter feeling of aggression that you want to slap someone? Shouting at trees isn't going to harm the trees. So let's let that one go, right? But if it makes you feel like you want to slap somebody, I'm taking it that you don't actually slap anybody. So what no. do you do with that feeling? Where does it well, go? I'm a I'm a aggressive walker, aggressive swimmer. That's me. Mm. I'm an exercise person. I go out and walk. Now, my friend Tracy, who's mm-hmm. deserted me for a month, who normally I walk and swim with, she's gone back to the UK for, for a month. And so I'm missing her already. And she's only been gone a week. She knows that I would be out there marching among the trees and grunt uh, and just moaning. Blah, and that's what I do. <laughs> to the or archers, to everything. Or you like to expend yourself physically. Yeah, definitely. But not with slapping. I never slap anyone. Mm. No, I've never slapped you, anyone in my life. Never. Isn't slapping quite Gallic? Yeah, maybe. Don't know. Don't know mm. any girls. Well, anyway, I'm sure Mr. Berto is, is gets a right happy. <laughs> I'm going to say seeing to. <laughs> Where do I go with this? <laughs> don't oh, go there, Oh, I feel don't go there. I'm sure. Don't go there. He's happy. I'm sure. He's a very Mr. happy Berto chappy. He's a very happy he's chappy. He's extremely happy when you get angry at the archers. I don't think he understands what I'm talking about with the archers. He understands as much about the archers as he does about Strictly Come Dancing, which has got me very riled this week. But hey, go. There you go. All anybody needs to know is they need to vote for Tony Adams. And on that note... Let's have a little bit of this. Hello, Ambridge 3962. Let's start on the upper lower east west side with our Witherspoon. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, Royfield, Jacqueline, and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. Let's talk about George. This week, the scriptwriters have attempted to soften those very hard edges the young Grundy has, lest we continue to think he's the bad seed we've quickly concluded he is. Well, George's struggles with learning may have rounded him a bit, but I'm not convinced he's not a bad guy. He still did straight-up lie to his mother's face and continued to lie when Emma voiced out about his yarn. It took a more experienced con artist, Eddie, with whom we were so upset last week because of the way he treated George, to call his bluff and offer some support. Emma offered up Mia as a sacrificial lamb, I mean tutor, for George. Wouldn't you ask her first? Will George benefit from such tutoring? I don't know. God forbid the scriptwriters are going to inflict upon us an odd couple romance between them. Please say it ain't so. It would have been much more delicious if Emma insisted that Brad tutor George. We know George is so angry that his cousin is a good deal smarter than he is and has a much greater chance at long-term financial success than he has. Last thought regarding George. He does seem quite gullible at falling for scams in his attempts to make a quick pound or two. Will this be a lifelong pattern or will it lead to a crisis that turns him around? We'll see. Talk to you soon. Thank you for that, Mr. Spoon. You know, I've somewhat slightly rejiggered my opinion on old George Grundy. Really? Because I have, I have. He has trouble reading. Now, I'm not a million miles away from that. I, you know, I, I'm a functioning dyslexic, though, you know, I, I, I can read. It's, it's how my disability really shows itself is in my writing which is half the reason why I've ended up being a podcaster, because I can't really write. I really struggle to write. So I, I, for me, there's a fuller picture of the reason why maybe he does want to cut corners. And actually, his bullying comes from a point 
of inferiority and uh and and he's tur- turned it on his head because he feels deficient in this key area of, of communication don't get me wrong i'm not saying that gives him a carte blanche to be a bully or a ne'er do well but it but it does paint a, a, a much more richer picture as to the reason why um he has been the way that he has well <clears throat> that was a proper Gallic shrug, listeners. I, I'm watching her. She goes, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you have so adapted the French ways, haven't you, Madame Berto? Yeah, uh, oui, bien sûr. Well, yeah, yes, you, you've quite moved me there. I don't quite know what to say because, yeah, I don't have, I never thought of it like that, that George is struggling. I, I think he's a bully and I think he's a crook and I think he's being encouraged by his grandfather and Possibly by his parents, the various parents that he has in the the fact, the situation that they go from one side to the other. But, um, yeah, well, again, Royfield, you've hit the nail on the head as far as an emotional comment as to why he's like he is. When George came off mute, all of a sudden he was a speaking character. Yeah. We assigned his waywardness to the fact that his home life is somewhat atypical. You know, his uncle is his stepdad. Yeah. You know, you know, his half siblings are his cousins. You know, that's yeah. that's odd. It Whichever is way you want to paint it, it's odd. Or more to the but point, what a great storyline! No, it is. It is. And, yeah. and let me remove the word odd because that's much. That's a pejorative. It's unusual. It's not typical. Uh, right, and we yeah. and we put it and we put his behavior down to that, and 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 obviously a certain amount of his behavior is down to that, but it's also down to the fact that actually he feels inferior to his contemporaries because he struggles to read, and then he's overcompensating, you know, and and actually his relationship now with Brad makes even more sense. Brad, you're the brains. Think about it again. It doesn't absolve him of uh, some of the terrible stuff that he's done and stealing money from his grandparents all, all, all that time ago. But he just gives us these wider tableau as the reason why George Grundy is George Grundy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very interesting. Good thoughts, good thoughts. Uh, prompted by Owl with a Spoon. Mm, it's Mr. Spoon. What else did Mr. Spoon natter on about this week when he was in the Upper Lower East West Side? was talking about the relationship between Mia and George, and that made me question what I knew about who was who, because Mia is Nick's daughter. Yeah. And so there's no blood relationship. And she, no, he it's definitely his, it's his threw step it out, half-sister. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah, stepsister, in, in, in effect. Yeah. Yeah. The very fact that we have to think about these familial relationships, don't get me wrong, it's incredibly modern. It's incredibly it is modern. very modern. But you do have to sit down and think, hold on a minute. Mia is related to him. How? Yes, it's Will's ex-wife's daughter who comes to the village occasionally type of thing. And again, think about it. He's been asked if Mia, someone who's quote-unquote intelligent, to help him. And he thinks my day mm. can't get any worse because he feels dumb. He feels yeah. dumb. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's dumb, isn't he? It's <laughs> <laughs> all very well, but he's dumb. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think we've, we've seen a side of George with him offering to do the chores. He did the, the did the coop last week where... Yeah, you know, George, but that's just George, a bit... You're so judgmental. You're I so am. judgmental. Oh, God. I've never ever told Daily... me that, Royfield. I bet you read the Daily Mail, don't you? <laughs> Sorry to all those I listeners. Know. Who's been judgmental there? <laughs> true that. True that. If you listen to the, if you read the Daily Mail, keep You shouldn't be listening to this pod- podcast. Well, <laughs> you know, we'd be careful. We'll upset a, a, a goodly portion of our listenership. Anyway, the Daily Mail, it's an august publication. That's all I'll say. So that's our Mr. Spoon. Thank you, Mr. Spoon. Now we're going to go to a Smithwick, just outside of Birmingham. Oh, and it's lovely. Billsbury. Hi, it's Sarah from Smithwick here. Not calling it for a while due to various storylines either being too distressing Chelsea or not worth wasting my breath on Diarygate. 
Is the revelation that George finds the academic part of his study supposed to give us some kind of empathy for him? Or is it a fib? Because after all, we have already had a dyslexia stroke learning difficulty storyline relatively recently in a form of Johnny. So it seems a bit soon. By the way, where is Johnny? And the stained glass window story is getting a bit much. And after the relief that Alan was actually okay, I was furious. Was this hoist by his own petard thing supposed to be actually funny? Oh, well, ho-hum. Hopefully we get a decision one way or the other from Chelsea very soon. Maybe even tonight, this being uh, Sunday morning I'm recording this. Anyway, keep up the uh, good work and, uh, yeah, there are a bit. You fell for it. There are a bit. Just before we go on, Madame Berto, Johnny being dyslexic, I'd forgotten about that. Right, I'd completely forgotten about it. Yeah, that. so had I. Thanks, Sarah, for reminding us. Yes, and again, it's what you talked about last week, the hive mind. Yeah, that's of having, brilliant. Having all these caller inners, all these listeners from all around the world, because I remember things which we forget. However, I'm going to say, I'll say this, that problems with reading and writing afflict more men than women. That's not to say that women do not suffer, but it's more like, the dyslexic is more likely to be male than female says the uh, grew up working class black kid that white working class boys have one of the worst outcomes when it comes to the state educational system within the UK. And we've got to be really careful that we don't sow massive future societal problems because of that, right? Moving swiftly on back to the world of the archers. Mm -hmm. So, you fell for George's storyline <laughs> for empathy? No, no, I didn't fall for it. I'm just saying that it. I, I said very clearly it gives us a much richer tableau. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, uh, or in the, uh, you know, considering we're talking about a week when, when a picture has been sold, a uh, much deeper picture with rich oils. <sighs> rich oils. How to appreciate... <laughs> the character of George Grundy. That's all Absolutely. I'm saying. Yeah, right. Okay, we'll let that one drop. But where's Johnny? He's gone from where's that. Joy to where's Johnny? Mm. Good question. And I don't think we've heard Johnny for about two years. No, someone will tell us, but it's definitely been a long time. There is somebody on the Academic Archers who name I completely utterly forget, which shows you people that if you didn't realise already, this show is so not scripted, right? We don't know where, we, where <laughs> we either one is going. We make it as we go along. <laughs> Absolutely. And he does an episode count and yeah. of who hasn't been on mic for a certain amount of time. And Johnny is literally two years. We yeah. haven't heard of Johnny in two years. So it's I, very I like interesting. Johnny. Yeah. I like Johnny as well. I like Joy, mm. so but I didn't like it so much this week, so we'll get onto that later, I'm sure. Mm. But Joy was missing it for a long time, and now Johnny's missing, so maybe he'll come back and surprise us. Absolutely. Let's bring back some Johnny, is what I say. What else did, did our Sarah Spilsby talk about? Well, Alan. Mm. Well, he's going to have to do the window now, isn't he? Yeah, maybe that's the answer. They broke. He broke a bit of the the Jack Woolley window, so he's going to renew it with a bit of some stars or something. <laughs> I you know, can tell how interested I am in this story, can't you? I think most of us are, are somewhat perplexed by it because generally these stories have some kind, need to go somewhere. They're going to affect something. Right, so they're not just a bottle within themselves. They affect the wider universe of, of Ambridge, and we can't figure out how this is going to. But I really can't quite understand the reason why Ad Alan is so against it. Don't get me wrong. It's Peggy Woolley throwing her money around. But all you have to say is like, okay, Peggy, have your window, donate X to a, to a charity or to a cause. or to what? And it's like... You know, let her have a window, especially, especially as... Oh, I, I know, sorry, I'm going to cut you off there, Roy Phil, oh, because I please, completely, feel free. utterly disagree with you. It's not necessary. It's like an ancient thing where landowners who owned the land were, you know, mm -hmm. was, uh, were, were overlords over the, the minions. No, I hate it. 
I hear you. And and trust me, when it when the revolution happens, I'll be yeah, first. Yeah, you say that. You say oh, that, but not listen, really. Listen. <laughs> I, I'm with you, my revolutionary friend. Yes, the inspiration for the window is Peggy's two great grandchildren. Yeah. Right. Two. Yes. Two. Yes. Two great grandchildren. Yes. Two of how that, many? Sixty-eight million hundred. She's got a fact. <laughs> yeah. They're in South Africa, they're in this country, that country, they're all over the place. I, well, I can't right. count them, so. All right, there you go. All right. But it's also going to be used to celebrate children in the village as well. Oh, yeah, they say that. That's what they say. Listen, I know. Listen, Alan is underemployed in, in, in Ambridge and most definitely on the arches. So they're giving him a storyline, which I'm sure Vickers up and down the length and breadth of rural England have to deal with every now and then. Somebody's got a little bit of money, wants some kind of memorial in their church to their loved ones, right? And I appreciate there's a big difference when somebody has passed, as Jack did, as opposed to people who are just born. And as Alan said a few weeks ago, they haven't even been baptized. But all you do is you say, look, this is for children. This is for renewal. You have some line from the Bible, suffer ye little children, blah, 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 blah. I'm, I'm no Christian. I'm a Buddhist, so I can't remember exactly how that, how that, that goes. You know, you throw that in at the bottom and whatever. You have a whole plethora of stars, two slightly bigger, fish, bosh, bang. Everyone's a winner. Move on. Jolly good. <clears throat> That's why I would like to swear a lot. I think it's the archers. <laughs> I'm not even going to count your arguments because it's not worth it. It's a storyline that's not worth it. Let's talk I've about just... uh, Chelsea. Wow. That's a storyline okay. that's Listen, worth it. I feel like I've done a lot of talking in this episode. So why don't you take the lead on this Chelsea thing and I'll just grunt when appropriate. <laughs> no, let's listen to some more calls first. Oh, we've got to do a bit of publicity first, haven't we? Oh, all right. And smashing. Go Good on. job one of us knows what they do when it comes to this podcast. Right, folks, the best and the easiest way for you to record a message or a plot prediction is to go to www.speakpipe.com forward slash dum-de-dum. Don't forget the T in the middle. You'll also find a link in the show notes. And please, we really need your calls in by 6pm on a Sunday UK time because neither of us are in the UK and neither of us know what time it is. So please keep your call to a maximum of two minutes and bearing in mind you need to be at least 18 to take part. Now, this is the People's Podcast as penned by Stephen Bowden. So we need your help because without you, there is no podcast. There are a few things you can do. First off, if you haven't done so already, hit the subscribe button on whatever podcatcher that you listen to us on and give us a five-star review if you wouldn't be so kind. Also, you know what? Go and tell a friend about the podcast. Go and tell a friend. If you do nothing else, go and tell a friend and say, oi, listen to this. Now, finally, the third thing is that you can consider becoming a Patreon. And we have had a little a little flurry of Patreons recently, so we've got to thank you for that. Patreon is a way of tipping creators, and there are different levels with different rewards. So if you go to patreon.com, search for Dumpty Dum, we'll be chuffed to bits to have your support. And again, this week, our new patron is Charlotte Moore. Now, before we go back to our calls, don't forget, you can send us an email if you don't fancy hearing the sound of your own voice by going out to dumptydum.com and hitting the contact us. Now, back to our caller in us. And now we have formerly cycling Christine. Hello, Royfield, Jacqueline and all fellow Dumpty Dummers. This is formerly cycling Christine here. Just a brief message. We've had all the talk about the dates and how Chelsea's further along than she thinks she is and I think this is going to lead us on to her feeling the baby move in the next week or so and that will be the deciding factor for her and what she does. Sending good wishes to you all. Bye. Prums, that was short Ooh. and sweet wasn't it? It was very good and succinct. Thank you Christine. Rosie Porty that's a good friend. She's a good friend of the Archers and the end of our podcast, Dumpty Dum, she posted something this this week, this week, this weekend maybe, that I absolutely and utterly agreed with. Where is this story going? Where is the 
ridiculous story of Chelsea of Chelsea being pregnant and Tracy being pretending that she's the mum and. I mean, Rosie hit the nail on the head. I can't recommend enough that you look up Rosie Porty on, on Twitter and read her, read the story and read how she put it because she actually said everything I wanted to say about this story because I hate this whole thing about Tracy pretending she's the mum. Well, I suppose she's giving cover to Chelsea, isn't she? That's one way of thinking about it. Well, she is, but that's what people did in the 1950s, Royfield. I have two cousins that were brought up by my aunts Mm -hmm. who were not the aunts' children. You know what? It's an old-fashioned story, old-fashioned way of doing it. Not modern. It's not the way things should be done for the teenagers that fall pregnant nowadays. We're supposed to be... This is supposed to be part of a modern, informing BBC. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Don't like it. Uh, Now, I'm going to give the script writers a little bit of cover here. We don't know that's where they're going to go with this. We don't know. It's true, most true, definitely, true, true, true. it's most definitely one possibility, and yes, if the if the archers were set in, let's say, rural Ireland, twenty years ago, or you know, that teenage girl would go and visit a cousin in London, wouldn't she, or yes, someone she would, other, absolutely, and, and she'd be gone for a year, yeah. And that's how those storylines, and that's how it was kind of dealt with. And, and 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 in the West Indian community, what you described was incredibly common, incredibly common. Well, and uh, and here in France as well. Mm. Mm. Very I, ru- very rural communities where people accepted that there was a child arrived to a mother to a woman in her late forties, mid to late forties, and mm. yeah. But we don't know for now. All I would say is that I'm just taking I'm just taking it at face value, and that for now Tracy's been seen in the pregnancy <laughs> advisory place, wherever they, with the midwife, yeah. and she's been seen by somebody she knows, and she doesn't want to say it's my daughter, considering she doesn't know that a daughter whether a daughter's going to have the child or not. That she just said, you know what? In effect, I'll take the bullet for this and i'll just let people believe because then it just deflects them away from chelsea until because if chelsea decides not to have the child which is looking likely now nobody needs to know do they no and that's very true i'm just i suppose we're just passing a collective warning across the bows of the (laughs) uh, scriptwriters we are not going to be happy if it goes down a 1950s 60s storyline gotcha gotcha do you understand what i'm trying to say i uh, listen i I absolutely do and you put it very forcefully and you brought in cultural history which is resonant throughout many communities throughout (laughs) the world as to you know uh, absolutely (laughs) 
gotcha, hear you, and well done, Rosie Porter. So I think we're done with formally cycling, Christine. We did. In fact, I think she sends us an email later on in the programme. Yes, smashing. Not that we script this. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you for that, Christine. Now we're going to Richard. Richard calling in from Lisbon last time, much quieter than Paris Airport, where I called last time. I've run several questions past my big sister, and she agreed that it's worth worth asking. Who's going to replace Russ at the Lower Loxley Art Gallery? Clearly a key job. How much was he paid? What sort of turnover does the gallery have to finance even one cushy salary? Who's going to replace him? Could it be Toya Wilcox-endorsed Will, the potter, with input from Vince, the art critic? And while we're talking about Russ, what was his divorce money that he and Lily were going to put towards the flat? Could he have got money out of his ex-wife? Surely that's the wrong way around. Who teaches entrepreneurship and study skills at George Grundy's sixth form college? How come he's got time for games when he's rearing 15 pheasant chicks? Google tells me you need to start in July if you want to grow turkeys for Christmas, and it's hard to make money at all given the high-protein diet they need. Maybe he was promised illegal genetically modified super turkeys that grow to full maturity in only eight weeks and don't need feeding. But he claimed there were heritage turkeys, which we all know take even longer to grow. Are Ruth and Dave fit and proper people to be running a bed and breakfast? Dave has no concept of data privacy, which matters, and Ruth can't cook. How will Linda and Robert like competition in the B&B market? And who the heck wants to stay in Ambridge anyway, apart from Ardell? How much is Alice being paid to run the stables? So many questions, so few answers. Could we set a date for the meetup in 2023? I might fly over and help host it, but we need to know who's in charge. Over to you, Royfield, and thanks to all of you for the podcast. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) What a call, Richard. Well, over to you, Royfield. He said it. You know, I don't take notes when it comes to what the caller in is say and the, the conceit is always say so what did what do you think was important in that last call madame berto so oh, yeah. you've you, you, you it's a it's a, yeah. f- uh, a full scap right. page here <laughs> Let, let's go through these one, one one by one there is no date as yet but why don't we madame berto at some point this week get on the old whatsapp have a chat and we can work out a date which works for me in California, you being in in Brittany, uh, when we can be over in the UK, and and possibly also speak to the academic archers people, see if they're doing a conference, so we can put yeah. it together that same kind of weekend and have yeah, a whole kind of yeah yeah. So so that's yeah. that. Now I don't know how those kind of things work because you know I'm stuck here in my field between field and forest and sea. So I have no idea how we would go about organising those things, but I'm sure you are much more in touch with things but, but let, let's park that conversation to, for next week but we'll yeah. have the conversation so richard you'll know by next week we'll, we'll have a date now oh, right let's lovely, go through these it? points right one by who's one. replacing russ i yes. I've, I've got an idea and i actually sent this on a tweet to my daughter who's a oh god i've forgotten the word in french in english who is a curator at the vna Mm-hmm. I have a daughter who's a curator of the year. I said, there's a job going at the at Lower Loxley. You should apply to it. In fact, I sent <laughs> it on Twitter and her boss, who's Tristan Hunt, who's the head of the V&A, mm. replied. So just ignore it, everybody. I didn't mean it. <laughs> it, was, it was me not poaching his, his assistant. <laughs> so who will replace I, Russ? I've utterly no idea. But going to Richard's main point, what revenue could have been generated from that gallery to give anybody a meaningful salary? Heaven only knows. But I will freely admit, I don't understand the economics of galleries anyway. I don't understand. Well, I don't. Despite being talked up by Sophie Morris, I don't know mm. how galleries make money. So I have no you know, idea. Uh, yeah, I, I've no idea. Other than a lot of them, not all of them, get grants. That I understand. Uh, very but, few get drunk. Yeah, but psh, I don't know. So, so yeah. Ross, Ross's divorce money, sale of a house? They did. Well, you got to think they did live together, but yeah, yeah I don't know. 
No? Mm. Don't know anything mm. about that either. Yeah. Okay, so let's go on to the next point, George yeah. and turkeys. George gaming whilst not looking after turkeys. Right. This is a reason why people should join our Facebook group because, and this could even be Richard who did this. I cannot remember who it is. Please forgive me. You're probably listening to this going, oi, mate, it was me. <laughs> there was a photograph of young turkey chicks and young pheasant chicks. There was. They're so similar. They are, they are. so similar. Right. Like, so. I actually feel sorry for George then. <laughs> yes. You, you look at you. Oh my gosh. He said, this is a mistake, which like, unless you've got a trained eye, you're going to make. Yeah. Right. So. Hmm. Yeah. But how does George find the time to game? Have a bit of time out doing his gaming. Go to college, which he's not enjoying. He's not really doing hmm. the work. Look after some 15 pheasant chicks. And do the rest of the stuff that he's trying to do around the family. How does he find that time? That was wonderful. Well, but of all accounts, he's not doing his college homework, is he? His coursework. So that's freeing up a certain amount of time. That's true. That is very true. Right, so next point in Richard's monologue was Ruth and David, B&B. <laughs> i have got to get through this lot because it's a a long list he's given us. I thought this was genius to say that, you know, David doesn't believe in data privacy and then who wants (laughs) Ruth cooking for them. You know, Richard, you are are a wag, sir. You are, but you're also also spot on. And also, Richard, good point about who on earth would want to go to Ambridge. (laughs) I do, I do, I do. Me, me, me. And also, yes, you know, Linda and Robert, do they need any competition in the B&B market? One thing I would say, though, is that Airbnb has so radically changed that market and expanded it that maybe Ambridge can actually have two two places that are fundamentally, you know, on Airbnb. Yeah, I think it's massively expanded that that market. So. But yes. And mm. it is in the heart of the Midlands, isn't it? Let's face it. True There's that. lots of things to see and do nearby. So I would want to go. <laughs> I have been. So was, was was that the end of Richard's screen? Oh, God, I was so exhausted by Richard's call. So <laughs> no, don't say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> exhausting makes it sound like Fantastic, Richard. And I'm very pleased really that you're keeping was. up the conversation with your, your sister. Perhaps this happened when you were in your Royfields, but Richard and his sister, mm. two Archers fans that don't live in the same country, I seem to remember, and they have conversations. They've called in together or separately or they've had conversations about the Archers. So I'm glad to hear that you're still talking to your sister. It's very intermittent in my family, so I assume it is <laughs> in other people's. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I like the fact that he's so international. You know, oh, he's in Lisbon, Paris yeah. Airport. You know, oh, I'm just in Paris Airport. I'm just going to do a caller in right now as I'm going through check-in as somebody stamps my passport, you know, type Keep of thing. Up, you know. Richard. Keep it up, We like Most those international stuff. Sir. <laughs> Most definitely, sir. So well done, Richard. If we ever had a thing of caller in of the week, that would be caller in of the week. You gave yeah. us lots to mull over and also to chuckle at. I did, but could you actually write an email at the same time, Richard, so we've got the list in front of us? Because I was panicking <laughs> as I wrote down a full scat piece of paper with all the questions. <laughs> all right. And from Richard, we go to Glyn, who I believe has got some pointed comments for one of the hosts of this podcast. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Glyn here. Well, Royfield, you may recall that a few months ago I called in and mentioned a politician called Liz Truss. And at the time, you dismissed my comments about this, I think, as you put it, obscure UK politician. Now, here we are with Liz Truss not only being our Prime Minister, but also targeting the anti-growth coalition, which apparently includes podcasters and the BBC. So what she makes of podcasters who podcast about the BBC is anyone's guess. But having sacked her Chancellor today, Friday the 14th of October, perhaps Dumpty Dum, a podcast about the BBC, is next in her sights. 
All I can say, Royfield, is I warned you. Well, in terms of the archers, it seems that the scriptwriters are determined to wring every last possibility out of the Chelsea pregnancy story, which I guess is understandable, but it does run the risk, I think, of, you know, actually in the end, boring us slightly as listeners. Um, anyway, we shall see what happens there. And uh, the vicar broke a window. Um, well, shock horror there. And uh, and Helen doesn't like fun. Well, very few of us are surprised at that. Thank you for the podcast. Um, stay safe, everybody, and speak to you again soon. Oh, how do you feel about that, Royfield Brown? Wait a minute. I, like 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 the rest of the British public, you know, Liz Truss busted flush, isn't she? She's not even not doing last the week, right? So, yeah, so whatever she thinks about uh, Dum Dee Dum, or I always say, is something for a historical record as opposed to anything to be truly worried about. Now, I don't know that I really said she was an obscure politician, but it does sound like the type of arrogant know-it-all thing that I would say. But but thank you for pulling me up on that, Mr. Fuller Love. And, and it shows you, you know, things that you do say can catch up with you at, at a later date. What a so. surprise. What a surprise. And we record <laughs> it all here. Exactly. <laughs> we will, I don't suppose anybody ever listens to the back, the back catalogue of Dum Dee Dum. You'll be surprised. They, they actually do. They do actually they? do. Oh, yeah, my yeah, God. Yeah. That's why we get accused of not researching things and not doing the things that we should be doing and mm. and saying things like who who liz who <laughs> mm. anyway anyway as we record this yes she's still the prime minister of, of great britain but by the time you've unpacked your fish and chips and whatever <laughs> she probably won't be <laughs> and it will uh, probably I saw something on Twitter where somebody put an iceberg lettuce and they said will this let did you see that <laughs> It's the Daily Star. It's the Daily it? Star. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. my God. So, sorry. It's I didn't want to funny. do any promotion very for funny. the Daily Star. Uh, but For, for, the, for those that, that don't know what we're talking about, the Daily Star have put a, a webcam on a picture of Liz Truss and a lettuce, and it's which one is going to go first, <laughs> basically. <laughs> <laughs> we don't we don't do politics though, Royfield, do we? We absolutely do. And for for what it's worth for what it's worth, the interview with Graham Harvey. Oh, what yeah. a lovely guy. Superb. What a lovely guy. And he talks about the po- we do talk about the politics, so let's say the class structure of Britain. Yeah. You listen to the archers and it gives you a really good understanding of it. And actually how his politics made a massive contribution to storylines you know not only was he the agricultural editor but he very much believed in in organic farming hence a lot of those storylines like tom being an environmentalist back in the early noughts was him because that was his politics his frustration with the how the grunnies were being being portrayed that because they were working class they couldn't seem to vault out of that and have any level of success and actually, because he was uh, very much attuned to class, he brought down Brian Aldridge. It was his storyline about the uh, the polluting of the Am, because Brian, in the 70s, had hidden some horrible pollutant and whatever. And he says, because I wanted to bring him down. Vive la revolution. You know. And it was absolutely fantastic. Brilliant. Brilliantly written. Brilliantly. I know he worked with uh, brilliant writers doing that. But mm. what a, but I have to say, just in case people are worrying, there is no relation between me and Graham Harvey. My maiden name is Harvey. Ah, I'm okay. Harvey. <laughs> no relation, but I, I go on the Harvey five-star thing either. It's just fantastic. It was, great, it was lovely great to talk interview. to him. Thank you. Thank you. And for those of you who aren't aware, Graham has a, a book which he's hoping to publish about his time being the agricultural script editor of The Archers. And it's a crowdfunded book. I'm going to put the links to that in the show notes as to how you can contribute towards that book being published.
So that's the end of the caller inerers. So now, Madame Berto, I believe it's email inner action time. Yes, in fact, we've just had the one this week from Christine Murdoch, and the subject was, yet again, the archers had made me cry and laugh. No, laugh and cry this week. Hello to Jacqueline and Royfield and all dumpty dummers. I begin with Natasha. I cannot believe that she has tried to, to out someone else's pregnancy. Okay, I know Tracy is not pregnant, but that's not the point. Surely Natasha should have had some sympathy. She's only just been through pregnancy herself, and I seem to remember that she wanted control over who she told and when. So when Natasha saw Tracy outside the midwife's consulting room, and in her own words, Tracy came up with a cock and bull story, surely she should have respected her confidentiality. I was so angry for Tracy. However, the scene in the church with Alan and Usher had me in tears of laughter. You could hear the crashing coming for nearly 10 minutes, but that didn't stop me laughing when it came. And of course, it had to be Jack Woolley's window. On another note, last week you asked for future predictions and I'm just wondering if Pip is taking over the Shula mantle slightly annoying character who can actually give good advice at times. Hmm, time will tell. Thank you for allowing us to have our weekly rant. Keep safe. Christine. Wow, that's a good Mm. email. That's another long one. Yes. Pip taking over Shula's mantle. Not quite as annoying for me, but nearly there. (laughs) Just get that in before you tell me I'm harsh. (laughs) <laughs> well, you, you know what? You are. You are. I, you know, I know I am. This is one of those American cop shows. I'm most definitely good cop. You are bad cop, aren't you? Fine with me, Royfield Brown. I can be bad <laughs> cop any time you want me to be. Thank you for the email, uh, formerly cycling. Christine, just before we completely leave this, right, I'm going to slightly stick up for Natasha slightly before people go. Slightly? Oh, really going slightly. Oh, I'm going to be sick into right. my microphone now. You've gone to see the midwife. You're having your kids checked up. You see somebody else from your closely knit village there, right? Most people are going to tell one or two people, oh, guess who I saw today and guess where it was, right? She hasn't murdered anybody, right? And it's legitimate with your nearest and dearest to to just point that out. How's your day-to-day, Natasha, says Tom. Oh, Tom, it was fine. I, t- I took the kids to have their have their checkup. How are they do? They're doing really, really fine. Guess who I saw there? Tracy. Oh, Tracy was with the midwife. What could that mean? Maybe she's pregnant, Tom. That isn't the worst crime in the world, and it makes a whole load of sense. Rubbish. Oh, wow. No, sorry, Royfield, but no, <laughs> you don't. You see people at the hospital, you see people at the doctors, even if you see people at the dentist, you don't say anything. No, not in my world. Not even at the dentist? No. Wow. He's a very sexy dentist, as I'll say. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then, well, I, well, I stand corrected. I stand corrected. No, no, no. I would never say to anybody, I wouldn't say to Mr. B, B ever that I saw somebody at a place like the gynecologist because, you know, I would never say. I don't think you should. You don't talk. You don't ask people why they're there. You don't do it. You don't share. Natasha's a bitch. Oh, goodness. All right. Okay. Now, no harsh. One, oh, oh, well, as you said, I'm good cop, but you're most definitely <laughs> harsh cop. Now, so... Thank you for that, formerly Psycho Christine. If you would like to contribute your thoughts to the podcast via via words as opposed to verbiage per se, is that making sense? But you know what I mean, everybody. Go on to dumdydum.com, hit contact us, you can send us an email, or you can go on to WhatsApp, which is plus four four seven nine five seven one six seven six nine six, and you can pen your or thumb, sorry, your thoughts there, and uh, we'll read them out on next week's Dumdy Dum. Now it's time for reviews from Apple iTunes. The first one I will read out, it says, Back to form, dum-de-dum, five stars, woof. Uh, Delighted to return to this excellent podcast, having abandoned it, oh dear, when Royfield left and COVID struck. 
Now he's back. Oh, this is lovely. And so is the Archers proper. And Jacqueline is the best co-host ever. Did you write this? <laughs> I'm, I'm absolutely overcome because I don't see these reviews before you don't, I know. we do on the script. You add them into the script whilst we're recording this. I'm actually overcome by this. No, Every week on, it's it. like <laughs> the best gossip with friends. And that's from more persons. Thank you, oh, more persons. More persons. You're my best, 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 best friend. <laughs> and more persons penned that from the United Kingdom. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you. When you need more corniness after the Archer's Dumpty Dum, five-star review, sometimes an hour of British waspiness just isn't enough. Royfield and gang have hysterical impressions of the podcast. They take the show so seriously, which makes Dumpty Dum all the more entertaining. If truth be told, though, I stick around for the song after the show. Royfield has divine musical taste. That's from Anonymous at De- 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 Anonymous in Detroit from the United States of America. There you are. Thank you for that, a- a- Anonymous. Now, I must admit, uh, I was a bit like, I beg your pardon, I haven't put a piece of music at the end of the podcast in about 18 months. So this is obviously, obviously a listener of some vintage, but also if you're waiting around for that piece of music at the end, you'd be waiting for 18 months without having a piece of music at the end of the show. But thank you for that five-star review. Uh, Can I amazing. just ask you a question, Royfield? Because I mm-hmm. don't understand. What is waspiness? What is it? Um, what does well, it mean? White Anglo-Saxon Protestant. It's a British, sorry, it's an American expression for someone who's very prim and proper and is a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. So people That's probably from the... me, but they're not talking about you. I know, I'm not. <laughs> but, you know, I, I get the kind of the sensibility of what, of what they're saying. We, we're very British, is what they're saying. I think maybe our understanding of the word wasp eat, it's kind of slightly lost across the, the Atlantic. But fundamentally, we're very British, is what she's saying. Well, that's very true. So mm-hmm. but we're very true. We're very, very, very waspy. Yeah. We're very British. And the last review says, wonderful, exclamation mark, dum-de-dum, five stars. This podcast is a must for any Archers fan. Great to hear the opinions of the caller in I love listening to this as soon as it pops into my podcast library. Thank you. That's from Heli3456. And Heli is in Great Britain, the the centre of the universe. I think we had that one last week. That we were repeating we? ourselves, yeah. So again, if you'd like to send us in a review, quite simply, all you need to do is go into Apple Podcasts, and I don't believe you need to have an Apple device to be able to do this. You can just find it on the interwebs. And if you don't know how to do it, because it's not the easiest thing in the world, look at the show notes. There's a big, fat, juicy link there, and it will tell you how exactly you can post a review to help this podcast because the more people that write us reviews, it means that the more listeners we will get and we've grown the community of dum-de-dummers. Now, we've done all of that, so let's hear what our Facebook posse have been talking about on Facebook. Hello, this is Sandra with a selection from the Facebook group. Chelsea is still hogging the storylines. Glyn Fullerlove wondered if Chelsea had been dithering about her pregnancy longer than Quasi Quateng was Chancellor. Suzanne Steele thought that someone of Chelsea's age would go to Pals for advice and information. However, Lucinda Sparrow said that Chelsea doesn't seem to have many mates. Pete Ransom described her as an antagonist, so her friendship circle would be limited. I think that's quite likely. Brenda Tobias seemed to think that Tracy was encouraging Chelsea to have the baby. Others disagreed, and Lynn Rafferty thought that Tracy was just trying to be even-handed. There was some discussion on the dating of conception and legal limits for termination. Of course, Natasha spotting Tracy at the clinic was a source of discussion. Joanne Smith wanted Natasha to mind her own beeswax. Well, that was never going to happen, was it? On the subject of Natasha, LJ Dorset wondered what happened to the storyline about her spending habits and maxing out of her credit cards. Richard Jones wondered if it was another storyline that had got dropped because of 
that bloody virus. Yep, it could be, and maybe it will be picked up again later. Sev Dafahi came up with a plot prediction that someone would congratulate Jazza on the pregnancy and he would be excited enough to want a baby. Tracy wouldn't want another, so they would break up. Oh no. Another suggestion from Keith Rawlings was that they would go ahead with the pretense and Tracy and Jazza would bring up the baby. This is not the 1950s, Keith. I admit to enjoying sitting in a hot tub when I'm on a cruise ship. Fortunately, I have never seen anyone wearing Speedos. Rob Williams was succinct. Ugh! Just ugh! Amanda Kitely thought the sight was calmer after Helen's moaning. <laughs> she asked if Joy and Mick were swingers. Witherspoon thought that maybe Nimick was. And, of course, we can't forget the daft story about the pigeons in the church. Keith Rawlings wondered if the pigeons were attempting a coup. Sarah Passingham wondered if it might be linked to a storyline about avian flu. Susan de la Mare had been anticipating a Nigel moment when Alan went up the ladder. Kate Lyle thought the fall was predictable, and I certainly have to agree with that. Well, that's all from me from now. Bye. Thank you, Sandra. Lovely to, to hear you again, my dear. And thank you also to everyone who's posted their thoughts to the Dumb Dumb Facebook group. And what a week of comments it was. And this week we have had just one lovely new member. Oh, that is Caroline Moss. You know, isn't it a, a strange thing? Sometimes we get literally like 15. Dozens. one week we, we get one. But anyway, But it doesn't Caroline, matter. Caroline's very welcome. And absolutely. No, no less because she's a singular person rather than 15. Well, if if nothing else, if you are just the one, you really do have your moment in the sun on, in the podcast, don't you? Because I'm going to say this again. Caroline Moss. You have your name repeated more than once. Yes, welcome Caroline Moss. Are you on Twitter? <laughs> we are under at Dumdidum. We always include the archers hashtag using a capital T and A, so the visually impaired can enjoy any archers-based tweets. Also, that hashtag uh, hashtag the archers is your opening for the tweet along, both in the evenings and during the omnibus. Please try and include at dum-de-dum in your tweet so more people get to see it, which helps to keep our community growing. As well as at dum de dum on Twitter. I can occasionally be... Sorry. I didn't even even let me cue you up. They're so eager. So so eager to get out of here. (laughs) As well as at dum de dum on Twitter. Where else can you be found? I can be found found occasionally (laughs) on (laughs) on Twitter as at Jacqueline Berto and Sanguine. Sanguine. I remember spending some time up in Preston. It's about 15 to... Preston, yeah, 15 to 20 years ago. No, no, Burnley. Burnley, not Preston, it was Burnley. Right, And, uh, and they all call it Tinternet. Tinternet. Yeah, everybody in your everybody Yorkshire, Lancashire, everything calls it Tinternet. I call it Tinternet and I'm from Lincolnshire. Huh. Things I learn from you. We're talking about Twitter. Well, we're actually talking about Tinternet. But something else that begins with a T other than Tinternet is, is Twitter. It's time for Tweets of the Week. Hello, Royfield, Jacqueline and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Purple Pumpkin here with a selection of Tweets of the Week. Can I once again thank the posse who sent me suggestions at Dumpty Dum. Please do keep them coming. The storylines may be a bit naff at the moment, but I was hugely impressed by the number of and variety of comments on Russ Jones's technique, Eddie's idea of romance, George's nefariousness, Peggy's undue influences, Alan's chances on a ladder, and whether or not Joy and Mick are luring Helen and Lee into a world of swinging sex parties in the hot tub. A thread you could take a look at this week discusses Archer's recipes, starting with Angela Dobb at LMS Bossy discussing Susan's chilli and whether Shula makes a rival one that's spicier. 
But the thread moves on to Bernadette Hawkes at Archer's Fan 2015, posting actual recipes from an Archer's Recipe book published some time ago for Winston, Texas to try. But on to the medals for this week. In bronze position, it's Rich Cuts at Cuts Rich. Your luck's in, Eddie. Clary's getting her dumplings out. In silver, it's a tweet from Ambridge, from Hazel Woolley, at Hazel underscore Woolley. I'm more sad than angry about the window, to be honest. Despite all that dear daddy did for Ambridge, it's such a poisonous place that even the vicar turns out to be a vandal, determined to erase my beloved father's memory. And in gold, it's John Kavanagh at JohnCav20922342. She's put two and two together and made five. She's probably the new Chancellor by now. That's it from me for this week. See you all again at the next tweet along. Thank you for that, Purple Pumpkin. Now, don't forget, we're also on Instagram, where you can find us where we're at Dumpty Dum, so please do follow us there. And thanks as ever to all our contributors and to our social media supremos, Shambridge for her voices, and to our podcasting godmother, the lovely Lucy B. Freeman. There you go, that's your Dumpty Dum. Wow, one Dumpty Dum from California, California, and from Sanguine in France. Boom. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.